Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Luke. Uh, if you want to open up to there, if you have the app, if you don't, I put the passage into the bulletin notes, the sermon notes, and so you can track along there. Um, but if you ever want to download it, there's lots of apps, ways to do that. version is a great one to use. Um, and we're going through our core values. So we've been going through, you can just remember my, my cheesy uh, graphics that I threw up there. Um, we're going through kind of the core of who we are as grace and peace. And what I hope you also hear is not just who we are as grace and peace, which I'll throw in little things that we do that's unique, but um, this is core to who we are as disciples. Like this is what the church is called to be globally, all right? Um, and so we have the, these three postures where we begin to look upward to God, and we talked about that for a couple of weeks. We begin to look inward and begin to reflect on how God transforms our inner life, our thought life, our heart, um, and everything that basically uh, impacts or informs the outward, which we're now talking about. So now we're going to start looking outward into what it, ha- what it means to have an outward focus, um, to not be just self-centered looking into our thing and just my holy little huddle that I have where I begin to get really spiritual with me, myself, and I. But we begin to look outward and God transforms us inward in order to love, right? That when our inward life has been shaped, we then go, oh, you know what? I've been loved deeply by God, and now I'm going to look outward. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. I know I kind of just gave you like a little synopsis of what's happening. Um, and the passage we're going to look at, I know it's called Do Not Worry, but you'll see why it ties in. We'll get to that. Um, you're probably going, what's up with that? That has nothing to do with outward mission. Um, but the first thing I want to point out is that Jesus called his disciples to do this one thing. Carissa hinted on it last week, talking about mission, what it means to look outward. And this will be the passage that's kind of the, I don't know, the, I don't know, the mission statement to outward looking and really what it we're called to as disciples. So it's in Matthew 28, and Jesus um, puts this great commission, called the Great Commission, to his disciples. And here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So everything that he's been teaching on, Sermon on the Mount, all that stuff, he's like, teach them to obey these things. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is the mission that Jesus commanded. Um, He commanded all kinds of stuff. If you want to go through and read the Gospels, there's all kinds of things that he commanded and taught on. Um, But the core of it was summed up and what he used from Deuteronomy and a a passage from Leviticus where um, the leaders of that day would say, like, so sum up your teaching. What is it all about? And he basically summed it up with love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love others. Like, that's how he he boiled it down. It's just basically like this is the core mission of what we are invited to do. So this core value of focusing outward is woven into how Jesus discipled his disciples, what he taught them, what he valued. And so his core value then requires us to then begin to ask a few questions about where our attention is, right? 
Our attention can go to all kinds of different places, right? Um, a better way to put it is, what do we love? Okay? Let that sink in for a second. What do you love? So the things that we love will inform how we live, right? I love surfing, therefore I go surfing, right? Some of you love football, so therefore you're going to watch. Well, yeah, okay, football. <laughs> so we're shocking, right? <laughs> we love things. You can come up with all kinds of lists of things that you love that result in certain actions. I love my wife, right? So that translates into hopefully taking care of her, loving her, putting my attention towards her, right? Right? <laughs> um, the, the thing that we love is going to impact how we live. If we love God, that will change the way that we live, and it will change the way that we interact with other people, right? So um, this is where it gets interesting. The questions that we ask about ourselves are pretty core. So what do I love? And I'm going to challenge you to ask this question of yourself. What do you love? And, um, and it's okay to love other things and be interested in other things. I think our word for love, we can talk about that. It's a whole other sermon. Um, but the question that we ask ourselves about who we are and what we're doing um, is key. So I want to read you guys a little story. It's about a rabbi, okay? There once was a rabbi who roamed the countryside meditating on Scripture, just trying to be as holy as he possibly could. From morning to night, he would walk aimlessly through the wilderness, inquiring of the Lord. You guys do that, right? You just walk around all night just trying to figure out what's God doing in your life? Okay, just him. Um, as he walked, he would tap his finger on his forehead as if to, to pound the truth directly into his mind. One morning, he set off into wilderness pondering the nature of God's holiness. Off he went into the glare of the sunrise, tapping his forehead as he went. He wandered and wandered, wandered and wondered, okay? Where his feet landed is where he went, without a care, without a worry. At near dusk, with his feet dusty and swollen, the silence and solitude was shattered with a loud voice that rang out to him. Stop right there. The rabbi looked up. Completely unaware of his surroundings, before him stood the high wall of a Roman fortification. Perched at the top of the wall was a Roman guard who was both alarmed and upset at the sight of this roaming rabbi tapping his forehead. Hello, responded the rabbi. Who are you and what are you doing here, commanded the Roman guard. The rabbi smiled up at him and responded with a question of his own. How much do they pay you to ask questions like that? <laughs> Five denarii a day, declared the guard with pride. Still smiling, the rabbi said, I will pay you double that to come to my house and ask me those same questions every morning. Who are you and what are you doing here? And so when we begin to look at what we're doing, how do we begin to live in the mission? I like these two questions. When I heard that story, it kind of made me giggle because I like that whole like rabbi vibe of what's going on. But the idea of who are you and what are you doing here, I think is really key to discovering what it means to be a disciple, what it means to really engage with God. How we answer that is key, okay? Who are you? Who do you think you are? 
You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> don't want to blow anybody's cover. Who do you think you are? Who are you as a person? Think about most conversations you have when you meet somebody, and you're like, hey, how's it going? What's your name? What's generally the next question that, that follows that? Sometimes. What do you do for a living? Yeah, right? So who are you in our culture a lot of times, and I know I'm maybe making a generalization, is defined by who we are and what we do, right? So generally it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, like I'm a pastor, right? And so generally if I'm on a flight somewhere, if I'm talking to people, then it's like I try and avoid that question because I know that the moment that I say, oh, I'm a pastor, they categorize me in a certain way. They're like, oh, okay. And the conversation just shuts down you should go somewhere else, right? Or it's like, oh, awesome, right on. Like, I go to this in this church. Um, but there's baggage that comes with that, right? Like, we define ourselves by who we are, by what we do as a job. That, that doesn't define us. That kind of limits us. It definitely limits me because that's not just whatever idea you have of a pastor is not just me. Um, and, and so doesn't that kind of skew how we view each other? And doesn't that skew kind of the definition of who we are? And so I would ask you to begin to think about what really defines you. Who are you? What we see Jesus call us to is that we are a child of God that is loved. And that is the core of it. If I'm going to boil it all the way down, it's you are a child of God that is loved regardless of what job you do, where you work, what you've done, what football team you like, like whatever. Like it does, none of that matters. What matters is that you are a child of God that is loved. I hope that that's like, if you just zone out the rest of the time, great. This is the one thing that I hope that you take away, that we are defined by that. Then the second part of that is what are you doing with that? So you have this knowledge that I am now loved by God, deeply loved by God, that God loves me as I am regardless of what I do. He deeply cares for me. What am I going to do with it? What are we doing here? We chase meaning and purpose, um, especially in our modernized Western culture. We are defined by our jobs, again, that like our meaning comes from our job, our meaning comes from the family that we have, or our meaning comes from the things that I achieve or the things that I do. That's pretty limiting, isn't it? If that's the thing that we are chasing after, which... I think it's starting to shift, but people have always said, like, I need to find my calling in my job. And I feel like there's a little, there's a little bit of truth in that, like chasing after the thing you're passionate about. But if your job is the calling, the thing that defines you, what happens if that's removed? Right? Like, then the whole thing falls apart. And what happens when you have a bad day at work and you're like, man, I'm doing a horrible job at work and this is supposed to be my calling? Then the whole thing falls apart, Right? then our meaning is tied up into something that we think that God has called us to when it's really like, no, that's, there's more than that. There's more than just the job. There's more than that. And when you begin to look at less hyper-individualized cultures, right, that aren't just about me and me finding my purpose and meaning and all of that, you find other cultures that, have, that are less, I would guess, developed. Their meaning comes from the community around them. Their meaning comes from serving the people around them and loving people and my family, right? Their meaning doesn't come from the job. Like the job is go hunt for food or go work field, whatever, or like simple basic things where it's like survival 
My meaning comes from my community. My meaning comes from the people around me. And so in Western culture, I think we've just elevated that to a crazy amount to where it's hyper-individualized and it's like me, 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 me. God is like trying to blow that apart and say, you know what? Yes, you are loved and it is about you, but it's about you recognizing that you are loved in order to love others. And there's something beautiful in that that you can do through whatever job. If you're a mechanic, whether you're, um, I don't know, an Eagles fan or a Chiefs fan, whatever, like it does not matter. Like God will use you wherever you are at. And here's kind of, I want to get in a little bit of like the how and why and what that looks like. So how do we begin to answer these questions in a way that begin to shape us. And this is where I chose this passage because when, when I read this passage, I feel like it gets at so much of who we are and our identity, and it also shifts us into mission. And you might not see this at first, but I hope I can like do it justice, okay? So we're in Luke chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 22, and I'm going to read through the whole thing. I know it's a little bit of scripture, But I want you to listen, and maybe you could even close your eyes if you want to just listen to it, or just follow along on the screen if that helps you more. Um, But begin to see what Jesus points out in this do not worry passage, okay? What is he getting at when he does this? So it's really beautiful. Watch this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so he's he's teaching his disciples really what life's all about and what's most important. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. We could end there. That sums it up. But he says, do not worry about your life. And based on everything I just talked about, talking about identity, talking about our jobs, don't worry about it. It's important, yes, there are things you're going to do, responsibilities you have, but do not worry about it. Like, it is not, it's not going to make or break who you are, okay? Don't worry about it. So if you need to take a deep breath in right now and just relax and just be reminded that you don't have to worry about it, Some of us are probably carrying some things in here that we're worried about, right? That we're stressed out about, concerned about, like, maybe you just need to hear it and just go, you know, I don't need to worry about that. God's got it. It's going to be okay, right? I'm not downplaying whatever that scenario is because it's probably important, but do not worry, okay? He says, but what, do not worry about what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And man, I love some food, and I love clothes. Those are great things. But do not get caught up in them. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Think about that. How much more valuable are you than all of that? And he says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? It's not going to change by worrying about it. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That's kind of a a dig on Solomon, I think. Um, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, it's very temporary, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. This is a, something to underline, memorize, kind of highlight. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows what you, that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does this have to do with outreach and going and serving and loving others? Let me tell you. There's a verse in there, 29, where he says, do not set your heart on these things. And that word heart in the Greek is cardia, right? You probably can see where that comes from, cardiac arrest. Um, In Greek, it refers to the seat or the center of a human being, right? This is the intellect, the emotions, the will, the thing that drives you. He says, do not set the thing that drives you, your emotion, your feelings, everything that you're about on these things because those things are temporary, right? He says, don't set all of your life and everything that you are passionate about on those things. He says, set them on the Lord. Set them on the kingdom, right? Set them on things that will not fade, will not rust, will not be stolen, will not fade away. Set them on things that will go into eternity, right? The things that we put our heart on, the things that we deeply care about, are the things that we will take action for. And if we don't deeply care about God and his creation, the people around us, we will miss out on those opportunities because we'll be so hung up on the clothes that we're wearing. Or we'll be so hung up on our bank account. Or we'll be so hung up on, oh, so-and-so did this and said this and whatever. And it affected my heart and affected me and they did this to me. All of that is a distraction to what God wants to do through you. Because what Satan will do is like, you'll get so caught up on your clothes, your money, whatever, your car. When something happens and goes wrong, you care so much about that stuff that the way that you treat other people will be impacted, right? Like I remember my, someone smashed into my truck. And I used to love my truck so much. And I was, it used to be something I'd be like, oh my gosh, like the whole thing's come falling apart and now I got to deal with all this stuff. And I don't, that doesn't sound like I'm bragging, but over time I've learned that that's just stuff. And that when I got in an accident, because I've been in tons of accidents where people have hit me, it's never my fault for some reason. I don't know why, but like people keep hitting me. Um, <laughs> but like for a while, like my truck's been hit three times. Like it's crazy and it's still driving. But, um, but after a point, I got to a point where it was just like, how are you doing? And I remember people being so rattled that like they had like trashed someone else's or made an accident happen or whatever. And in that moment, if you can just be peace and just say, you know, what? it doesn't matter. It's just a truck. How, how much more freeing is that? Not for me, but for that person. So when we talk about outreach, when we talk about loving people, if I don't care about my truck as much and I care more about people, what happens? It's a testimony to what? To God. To the love of God, right? It's a testimony to how God might use us and, and work through us. And so when we talk about this, like, do not worry, we worry about a lot, don't we? When we talk about possessions, if we worry about our possessions too much, it's going to limit the ability to engage with other people. It eliminates my ability to be generous, right? If I care too much about my bank account, if you ask me for 10 bucks, I'm like, mm, I'm having to think about it too much. But if I could care less about that stuff, I'm like, God's going to provide. 
Yes, I'll work and I'll be a good steward, but if someone asks for 10 bucks, I'm easily able to give that because of the shift that's happened, right? So when he talks about do not worry, this is like a missional passage. And I never thought it was a very missional passage because I thought it was about me. It's not really about me. Like what Jesus is trying to do is he's like, yeah, it's about you, but what's going to happen is you're not going to be so concerned about that stuff that you'll be more concerned about people and what God is doing, right? Um, that then we begin to go, oh, you know what? I did get too caught up in my image. I did get too caught up in my job. Um, then our, 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 our approval doesn't matter. Like all that stuff, all that goes away. And then the way that I interact with people becomes loving. And so I hope, I hope this passage is, is fresh for you. I hope that this is like a, a new perspective on do not worry. Um, because when we have nothing to fear, when we're not stressed out, I think it frees us up to love people, right? I think when, when we don't have to fear what people will say about us, when we don't have to fear the fact that someone's going to be like, oh, you're a Christian or you're a pastor or you're a whatever, then if you don't care about that stuff anymore, if you're like, I don't really care, then it frees you up just to love people and not judge them for the response that they have on you, right? That's so freeing. And I know I'm not coming from a stance of like, I got this all figured out because believe me, I worry about those things. There's times where I stress out about stuff. But I'm learning more and more to let that stuff just, you know what? God's got it. Like for where my treasure is, there my heart is as well. Like I'm, I'm gonna stop treasuring those things because those things, it just leaves me empty. And it leaves other people feeling rejected. So here's what happens is when we begin to worry less, fear less, be concerned less, passages like Acts 2.42, where the early church got together and what did they do? Oh, is it on the screen? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's not. Okay, so I didn't throw it on there. But basically, like to sum up Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It says that they cared more about the teaching than anything else. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to spending time together like we are. They they devoted themselves to breaking of bread, which is just another way of saying, like, make some pizza, eat some burritos, grab some coffee, right? Like, they devoted themselves to that, like, eating together, spending time doing that, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And what happened as a result of that is God, it says in the last part of that little paragraph, it says God added to their number daily those that were being saved. The outreach that took place was because they weren't worried anymore. They were like, Dude, we got, everything's taken care of. We're sharing food together. We're sharing life together. We're praying together. We're constantly reminded that the gospel is at work, that God loves us, that God is here with us, that we work together as a community just to like go and serve and love our community. And then people were like, oh, I want, I want to be part of that. I want in on this because they saw that they weren't so caught up in themselves. They weren't worried about their clothes. They weren't worried about their, their next paycheck. They weren't worried about all these other things that, we all get so hung up on. They weren't worried about their image that it freed them up to love people. And then people said, I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that community. That community is life-giving. That is a community that I want to be connected to. And so do you guys see how then it becomes outward? And even the first passage that I shared with you, Great Commission, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, right? That passage, when we stop worrying about ourselves, 
that passage makes so much sense because then we're, we're more concerned about what God's doing in other people's lives that we go and we'll share that. And I know that there can be a fear in sharing the gospel with, with people where you're like, I don't know if like, they're ready to receive the gospel, if they're going like, to reject me or think I'm weird for talking about Jesus. But when we don't care about ourselves anymore, then we're like, you know what? Like This truth that I've discovered is so freeing. I want others to hear it. I want others to experience it. And then we're not hung up on ourselves anymore and we're going, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to share this with people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to try and like have a conversation, encourage the person that just smashed into my truck this morning. You know, like whatever. It didn't happen this morning. But um, then, then it just changes your mindset because then you're just like, you know what? Like I love people. And it's so freeing. And it, we don't have to wear this like burden of like, well, I don't know. A pastor told me to go share the gospel with people. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that. Don't worry about all that. How, all that stuff, discipling. It's loving people. It's just learning, like, stop caring about yourself and, and turn the focus on other people. And God will take care of it just the same way he says he takes care of the birds, takes care of the flowers, makes all that stuff happen that we see in our beautiful world that we live in. Um, he's going to take care of us. And so um, I guess this kind of like an illustration to, I think, give this some, like, so what? What does this have to do? Like, how does this begin to play out? Um, I want to share a story from my life. Um, of how this played out. And then I want to give you guys a couple of like tangible ways to just really ask some heavy questions about how to like live it. Um, Because I think that's where it's what matters. Like if we're going to talk about this stuff and it doesn't change us, then it's a waste of our time. Um, But what are we doing? Oh, sorry. Who are we and what are we doing here Um, is one of those things that I think has shaped who I am. And and when you talk about how we share the gospel, how we go out and live this out, when we begin to ask, answer that question, God will use us no matter where we're at. And one of the things that I love, you guys know this, is I love surfing, I love spearfishing, and as a result of that, it's gotten me into relationships and communities of surfers and spearfishermen and freedivers um, that I would have never connected prior to. But um, because I keep asking that question of like, what do you, where do you want me to go and what do you want me to do, God? Um, I've gotten more and more connected in these communities. And one of those things has been the spearfishing community is I've like now become a board member of our dive club that's here in North County. And we meet down at Poor House down here in South O. And um, that, that community of people that's like almost like 200 people strong, it's not, we usually have about 80 to 100 that show up on a Thursday night um, once a month, has... Um, has really grown and created relationships that I would have never thought I would have ever had. And being a board member has given me opportunities to be in conversation with people that I would have regularly not had. And that only came because I was just like, God, what do you want to, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to keep doing? He's like, well, just keep doing the things you love doing. And I'm like, okay, I'll trust that and see what happens. And I've seen how conversations with people there have turned towards spiritual things as a result of not me, but what God is doing. And it simply comes from me just stumbling through it and just making myself available and saying, I don't know what you're doing, God, because I'm clueless when it comes to like how to do all this stuff and share the gospel, but like just do something through me. I don't know how. Um, 
that then these conversations come about. One of the conversations I had a while back was we use our sound system sometimes for some of these events for the dive club, and one of them was a karaoke night. And so one of the guys was like, I heard you're a pastor. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, dude, I used to go to church when I was a little kid, and like I haven't been since, and I've just like, my life's just gone down this road. And this, he just started describing all these things that he'd been getting into. And, um, and he was like, you're here in a bar on a Thursday night? Like, isn't that like, aren't pastors not supposed to do that sort of thing? And I'm like, well, apparently I've broken your paradigm of what a pastor should be. So that's awesome. Let's keep going that way. And then he was like, is this the sound system like from the church? Like, is that okay? Like, are you allowed to have like a sound system from the church in a bar? And I'm like, yeah, like that's exactly where Jesus would want a sound system if it was used, you know, like, and it just like, it rattled his brain to think that. And, and like little conversations like that, I think have reshaped what people think of when they think of when they think of the church. And again, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm just saying, I just fumble my way through this and get into these conversations where God's like, just starts these conversations. I, don't, I didn't start that. He came up to me, you know, it's not my fault. Um, but like God begins to do those things. And that's just from like, awkwardly, foolishly just stumbling through whatever it is. Like, it's, I don't feel like it's a calling to be in the spearfishing community. It's just something I love doing selfishly. But God uses it. And I think that's where, like, all of us are at. Like, there's opportunities that we all have wherever you're at in life, and whether it's, like, you think it's super significant or not, or God is going to work through it if you're just, like, foolishly available and just say, here I am. And that's kind of, like, one of my bullet points is just, like, be available. Like, I think our call here is, like, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it too much. I think Jesus would have just said, just be available. Like, hang out with the fishermen. Hang out with whoever. Like, and I'll use you. Like, the Holy Spirit will do that work. And he even says when he sends out the 72, right? He sends them out two by two, and he says, the Holy Spirit be with you. And they go, like, what do we say? How do, what do we talk about? And he's like, I don't know. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Right? Like, Jesus didn't give him, like, a three-point sermon to go give. Like, he didn't, like, lay it out. Like, here's the gospel, and here's how to do it. He just said, go. Go and love people. And, like, if they don't have to do it, like, shake the dust and move on. So, like, that is the gospel. And I hope that that's kind of refreshing and encouraging to hear that that's, like, what we're called to and what we're invited into. Um, but it, it requires, like, step one. Don't worry. Don't get caught up in yourself. Like, just love people. Just go and, and, and live this out. And the people that I've seen in my life that thrive when it comes to their relationship with Jesus— because I believe you can thrive or you can be like, ah, oh, this sucks. I'm like going to church and uh, the whole thing's a drain. I don't know what it is. But I see people that are thriving, that are just like hungry for Jesus and their life is just, it's beautiful to watch. They do these two things. They abide in Jesus. They know that they're loved. They're just like, I'm loved regardless of what I do. I'm just going to keep abiding and following Jesus because I know that he fills my cup, like Chris was talking about last week. And then they live with intention. And they're just like, you know what? Like, I know that God wants to use me in some way, and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, and so the last thing I want to, like, kind of share, I have a couple minutes, um, take inventory on your relationships. Because I believe that the way that we begin to see areas of where maybe we are worrying or caught up in these things is in our relationships. And relationships 
do a really good job of like reflecting kind of how we are a lot of times. Um, so, and I, what I mean by that is take inventory of how you interact in relationships. Are you a person that is constantly taking in a relationship or are you a person that is giving in a relationship? And there's a lot of caveats that I got to make sure I hit on that I threw in my notes. So I'm going to make sure I don't stray too far from it. But I think taking inventory and going, do I ask people how they are doing in a conversation? Or do I constantly wait for them to pry things out of me? Right? This is going to get a little uncomfortable. Sorry, guys. Um, but am I concerned about others? Am I concerned about their day and what they are going through? And I'm probably guilty of this. I'm not doing this with my wife often enough. But like, how is your day? How are you doing? Instead of waiting for somebody to come to you, right? Um, that can be a reflection. That can be kind of a mirror that we can turn ourselves and say, am I worried about myself too much? Or am I concerned about others? That can be a, a pretty good thing. Okay, so um, beginning to ask that, do I go out of my way to do generous things for other people? When was the last time you did something for someone else throughout the week, big or small, that wasn't part of your agenda? It was completely about just, how can I just go love somebody and do something for someone else? No strings attached. I know, right? I feel guilty. Um, but I feel challenged because then I think about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm too concerned with my calendar and my agenda. Um, these questions that... They'll get at the core of it. I promise it's not meant to make you feel guilty, but to begin to look and see, like, where's our focus? What do I love? Remember that question I asked at the very beginning? What do I love? Do I love my agenda, my bank account, my time, my energy, my all this stuff? Um, and disclaimer, like, this isn't meant to, like, beat us up or to judge others for not doing this kind of life, right? We don't ever push this on other people. Um, because I believe that placing expectations on other people to constantly do these things and be generous, kind, engage in conversations, those kind of things, um, that just sets us up for failure because it's just unmet expectations. And unmet expectations, not healthy. We don't expect other people. But I ask these questions because if you've been around people that are con continually consumed with themselves, and maybe you've been around that and you're all kind of thinking of somebody and you're like, oh, yeah. Nah. Maybe we are that person at times, right? I want to flip the mirror and go, you know, maybe it's me. Um, and I know this is, this is challenging to think about, but I, I don't want to, like, just get us off the hook because I think this is where, like, kind of the, the meat of really what this is all about is that when we begin to see that and go, you know what, my attention needs to be on others, it shifts like how we treat our day. It shifts how we treat others, how we love others. And it answers the question of where is my treasure? Is my treasure in me, myself, and I, and my possessions, and my comfort, and my bank account, my clothing, all those things that he talked about? Or is it in loving others? Is it in asking how others are doing, being generous towards others, seeing how they are, being concerned about their needs over our own? That begins to shift our mindset to like a kingdom mindset, a godly mindset that is so loving, so kind, so generous that we begin to be the people that are on mission. And that's where this outward focus begins to really take root. We aren't outward focused because of guilt or shame or because Jesus said so. It's because God calls us to do this because it's so beautiful, 
because we've been around those people, right? Let's flip it over. You've been around those people that are like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I was thinking about you the other day, and I did this, and oh, I got this for you, or whatever. Like, everybody has their love language, I understand. But they're just thinking about other people. They're concerned about the needs of others. You've been around those people, right? Raise your hand if you've been around those people. Come on, let's, okay, yeah. That's the kind of community that Jesus invites us to be. And that's what I want to close with, is like, are we the kind of community that people will go, you know what, they're loving, they're kind, they're generous, they're thinking about others. And the question that I've been doing this devotional that asks this question that says, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And this is my, like, I think a tool, a resource, or a way to begin to, I guess, invite this into our lives this week is ask that every single day. In the morning when you wake up, just say, or, or make that proclamation, I give everyone and everything to you. And watch what happens in your relationships. Because when you start to go, oh, there's this person that frustrates me, and you go, I give everyone, you're like, oh, including that person? Oh, come on. Really? Okay, I will. I will. And you start to, it softens your heart because then you're saying, I'm giving everyone and all my possessions, everything I have to you. And it's freeing because then we are not worried and we're, we're concerned with what God is doing over what we are doing. And I think that's really core to it. So that's my homework assignment. That's like the thing that I would think would kind of change and transform our thinking when it comes to this topic. Um, being outward focused is Jesus. I give everyone and everything to you and begin to see what happens as it begins to churn and, and change your life.